said, Amen. 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 Yeah, thank you guys. Great to be with you today. As Pastor Josh has taken our youth downstairs, I just want to tell him thank you for what a great job you did last Amen. week in uh, delivering God's message. Thank you, brother. Love you, buddy. Super proud of you. I was told not to go away too long, too often, or they may just keep you and get me, uh, send me my bags, you know. Yeah. I still love that person that told me that. <laughs> so great to be with you. We missed you when we were gone, but we were blessed uh, last week to be able to go out to California. We did have a memorial little private service for a family member of the extended family of our church. Met some uh, new friends and family there. We are blessed to be with them. I know they're joining us online today, and so I just want to give a shout out to uh, Dr. Dave and his wife, Deborah, who uh, were our uh, very great and gracious hosts as we were there. I want you to know that um, while we were gone, Kim and I uh, went to service at a, well, I won't tell you the name of it. Saturday night, we went to a service because in California, we've been praying for them. And by the way, I'm very grateful that uh, on Friday, the judge voted in favor of the church's appeal against the governor. Yeah, it's amazing. Very grateful. We've been praying for our churches in California because it's so jacked up around there, you know. It's jacked up everywhere, but it's, they're just kind of like the, um, yeah. Anyway, we'll just leave that alone. So anyway, so on Saturday night, we went to church outside with a congregation to meet. And uh, sitting in the very back, because it was like bring your own chair thing, and we were sitting back there. We got there a little later than, I mean, the service hadn't started, but like, you know, you know how you guys sit in the back, kind of watching what's going on when you're new there kind of watching what was happening in the service, and uh, it was kind of, it was a good experience. I don't get to visit churches very often. I tell everybody, it's like, you know, I only know this church pretty much. You know, I've been a pastor for 30-some years, and so where I am, I'm there on Sunday morning. So when we go away, I love to go and visit a church to see what's happening in other environments. And so we just watched that service unfold in front of us and everything that happened. It was good. They taught the, the Word of God, and people sang worship songs, predominantly white church, not to be racial or anything, but you'll understand why I'm saying that in a minute. So when I went home, you know, I was asked what I thought of the service, and I was like, yeah, it was good. You know, it's unique how God uses all of us in certain settings, and uh, how they are, and who we are, you know. Then the next morning, we got to go to a church that was a biker church that um, has a prison ministry and things, and so they assembled inside. We had to wear masks. They took our temperature, got a sticker saying we were clean. Uh, the night before we had to sign a document, you know, um, but I watched that service unfold, you know, as we were part of that congregation on Sunday morning and um, was asked again how I thought about that service as a just a conversation. So I'm telling you all that for a reason. OK, as we watched those services happening and I was thinking of the uniqueness of the bodies, if we had taken the pastor from the biker church and put him with the yuppies and took <laughs> the yuppie pastor and put them with the bikers, nobody would show up the next week. <laughs> they wouldn't. You know what I mean? They wouldn't. They would, it was just like so unrelatable to who they were, where they were, but how uniquely God fits us where we belong. Yeah. And so then I was asked about our church, and I said, well, did you ever watch Rudolph when you were a kid? <laughs> and you know that island of misfit toys? <laughs> <laughs> That's who we are. <laughs> and I'm the Charlie in the box. I'm just saying. <laughs> so I love it. I just like it's so cool how God uniquely puts us where we belong, you know, and who we are and where we're at because he speaks to us as his body where we are. And he speaks the language that we would understand. So I don't think everybody belongs in Christian Faith Fellowship. I don't. And I'm totally comfortable with that. If people come here and they're like, oh, get me out of here, you know, it's fine. Go. We don't want you here. And I mean that nicely. You need to find where God has you. Because if you're not called to be part of that community, then you belong somewhere else as part of that community. And uh, if you stay with us, you're just going to become a problem for all of us as we try and function as the body of Christ. So it's, we need to know. See, I believe in the calling of God on every life, not just my life as a pastor or certain specific. I believe God has a call for every life. And God has a plan for your life. He does. And he's trying to engage you where you are that you might impact the people that he has given to you to be the minister to. 
because all of you are ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All of us are. Not just on Sundays, but wherever God has placed you, that is exactly where he wants you to minister and to be. So, wherever you're at today, joining us online or here in the, in the building, by the way, I'm letting everybody know again that we have in-person services at 9.15, so get that word out there because I still am getting texts and calls if we're having church yet. All right, so please help us out and get that word out. That'd be amazing. Thanks to everybody that helped with the property the last two days. We had a work night Friday and Saturday morning. Sorry, but that just hit me. I have these issues up here in my brain. I want to say a thank you. All right, so let's keep going. All right, so wherever you are, you know this. There is division in our nation. Come on, man. There are so many divisive topics going on right now that are just boiling to the surface all around us. And if you don't know that our country is divided, you're sticking your head in the sand. There is a major upheaval that is going on within our nation. This started when we told God to get out of our country. Because we told him in the early 60s to leave. And God is a gentleman, and he does not force himself upon us. And as we told him to leave our country, we told him to leave our schools to leave our government offices, to leave our universities, to leave our school systems, to leave our communities. And many of us have followed suit and had them leave the church. We stopped preaching the word of God. We began to preach a gospel that was pleasing to the ears of people. God's word declares to us that we must preach the gospel, live the gospel, and be the church that Jesus died to make. And our nation is suffering as a result of the church not impacting community with the gospel the way that we are supposed to and called to. I know that I grew up in a church and a community that was widespread in this mentality. The end is coming. The word of God says all things will go worse and worse. Therefore, there is no resisting the end. And therefore, it's just kind of step back and let it collapse. I want you to know, church, it is not our responsibility to step back and let it just fall. It is our responsibility as saved, redeemed individuals to step into the gap and call for the healing that only God can bring and the restoration of a family, a community, and a church. It's just going to fall by the wayside. Look, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to let you guys all know this, how I feel and how I stand on this. All of us that have prophetic mindsets think the end of the world is coming because the United States is collapsing. All I want to tell you is look in history because there has been a series of fallen nations since the beginning, and he didn't come back yet. He's not like, oh my goodness, the United States is falling. I got to go back now. God has a plan, and if we rise or fall, that's on us, whether we repent and call on Him, or we continue to go down the ways of sin. And so just because the United States may fall, and it will, it's just a matter of time, that does not mean that God is done with the planet. We're not that important. Come on, seriously. We have this view of ourselves that we think everything God does rises and falls on us. It doesn't. He loves you, though. <laughs> All right. So we got some problems politically. We have problems socially. We have problems racially. We have problems economically. And let's get a little more personal. We've got family problems. It's all over. There's division. There is this dividing force that is at work. And you know who it is. It's not like he's hidden. And here's the problem. What's going on around us, come on, church, we need to see this. The Holy Spirit's given us eyes to see. In our world around us, people are digging in trenches and dividing, and they have their beliefs. And if you don't agree with my belief, you're wrong. Right? I mean, can we see that? I mean, like, we're not talking about Jesus right now. I'm talking about socially, politically, what's happening in the world around us. What is happening is everyone is digging into their trenches, and they are holding on to their truth. And if you don't agree with their truth, you're wrong. Okay. So Jesus had something to say about this, of course. It's pretty cool how God's Word 
always speaks to us where we are in our life. When Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 12, he does a miracle right there in front of everybody. Let's read it, verse 22. Then a demon-possessed man who was blind and couldn't speak was brought to Jesus. He healed the man so that he could both speak and see. The crowd was amazed, and they asked, Could it be that Jesus is the son of David, the Messiah? But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, No wonder he can cast out demons. He gets his power from Satan, the prince of demons. Jesus knew their thoughts, and he replied, Any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Jesus is telling us, right? He's trying to tell us something about the necessity of agreement and unity and how divisive division is and how it will cause the whole thing to collapse. Church, we've seen it in the church in our marriages. See, let's just like use our God-given gray matter right here for a minute and let's, let's leave things out of it right now but just using that thought process for a second. When I was a kid, I'm 57 years old. People weren't divorced. And if they were, everybody looked down on them like, they're messed up. That doesn't mean that everybody's marriage was good. The home was dysfunctional. It was just hidden. Okay? But see, what happened was people in culture began to just be more and more open to divorce. Why? We told God to leave, therefore his, his word and his standards didn't matter anymore. We just did our thing, and if you're not making me happy, I'm going to find some way of making myself happy. That's what's taken over our nation and our hearts. Okay, so here's what's happening in the world, and then pretty soon it started hitting the church. And pretty soon the church was just completely open to it. Now, I'm not preaching against y'all that are divorced, because pretty much the majority of people have been. I'm not being mean. I'm just saying the reality is is that we no longer even look at it as an issue. Okay? But when we look into God's word, Jesus tells us that there is a dividing thing that happens, and when this division comes, it will fall. The institution, the government, the relation, it affects everything. Wherever there is division, it falls apart. Right? This is God's word, and he's teaching us. And so, the unity of marriage was attacked because it is the symbol that God gave to us here on planet Earth to understand our relationship with him. God himself instituted this marriage covenant, and he illustrated that with Adam and Eve, and he said they become one, and this is what I have, and this is what I do. All right. So the enemy attacked the very first relationship. And how did that affect them? They began in the very moment where they sinned, blame each other, division. Right? What happened to their children? Cain killed Abel. Division. Over worship. That's what it was. Read your Bible. It, he murdered his own brother over worship. Division. Okay. Most family, every funeral I do, every one of them, I address the division in family. Don't even know, need to know your family. I just know you're dysfunctional. <laughs> I know there's members of your family that don't talk to other members in your family. I already know that. See, because there is division, there's sin, and there's brokenness. Therefore, when I challenge people at a funeral, I'm like, come on. When it gets to this moment, do you really think whatever that was matters? We've been given this moment of life that we might be whole and healed and experience the fullness that God has for us. God knows who He placed in your family. He knows how jacked up they are. It's not me, I know. So He's placed us there together on purpose. Right? Do we believe that? So he's called us to be in unity and not divided. All right. The church itself started fracturing and dividing from the very beginning. 
It's amazing how we in the church, whom Jesus prayed for, that we would be one, began to divide. And today we're all divided. That doesn't mean we're not supposed to have separate congregations and churches. I believe in that. Absolutely. Just like we were just explaining earlier. God uses certain people in certain places that they might be a body that works together. Okay. But we have the denominational differences. We've actually brought politics and... God speaks to politics, so don't, like, we're not supposed to be blind or ignorant to it, but I'm saying we've allowed politics oftentimes to dictate the church. No way is that right. See, the Spirit should dictate politics, not the other way around, right? But we've separated in churches over these things. I mean, we're, there's conservative churches, moderate churches, and liberal churches, you can name any, any topic in our culture and you'll find churches that align with this, that, or the other. Right? Seriously. Okay. Spiritual darkness uses division as its number one tool. And it has caused havoc in every area of our life. It is the Christian's responsibility. How about if we own this? It is my responsibility. Would you say that? It is my responsibility as a Christian to not allow division to happen in my family and my church. It's my responsibility. <laughs> we leave. The modern church is one that when things don't go my way, I leave. Now look. If the, if the church isn't teaching Jesus and the gospel, by all means, get out of there. That's a social club. You don't need that. But if they're teaching salvation through Jesus Christ and you're uncomfortable, it just could be that God's trying to do something in your life, like change you. Okay. Look, you don't control anybody else. The reality is you don't control anything but you. That's it. Here's Romans 14. Accept other believers who are weak in faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Let that sink in for a second. Okay, so I want to interpret that for us. If they don't agree with me, I already know they're weak. Isn't that how we view it? You're weak. Oh, Lord, help them. Help them to see the error of their way and come into the light of which you've shown me. Seriously, that's what we do in the church. That's why we have division. Because then when we see someone as weak, we feel superior. I'm more righteous than you. Isn't that what the Pharisees were doing? They were the ones Jesus had the biggest conflict with. Always was the spiritual self-righteous who saw everyone else as nothing. So we look at people and we think they're weak. Okay, we'll keep reading. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything. But another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do. For God has accepted them. Come on, this is... Look, yeah, let's talk about meditarians and vegetarians for just a moment for a second, okay? Seriously. Because even this topic causes division in the church. And no one's going to heaven and hell because they eat meat or eat vegetables. Seriously. But we view people according to how they conduct themselves in those settings, and we judge them, and we classify them as weak. Okay, let's keep reading what God's Word says. By the way, it does say, for God has accepted them. He accepts meditarians and vegetarians. God does. So we ought to probably, huh? Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? 
Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. That is, it's amazing how God's word addresses every topic of our life, isn't it? Yeah, it's God's word. So let's read this in the year 2020. Right now. I want to reread that scripture for you. Accept other believers who are weak in the faith and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person wears a mask and another doesn't. Isn't that crazy that we're divided over wearing something over our face or not? I didn't give many amens on that. It's God's word. He's addressing our heart. (laughs) Okay. So there's a lot of opinions and ideas, and I got a lot of those too. Don't you guys? We all have opinions and ideas. And we all know that there is, no doubt about it, a political agenda attached to all these topics that are going on in our world around us. Right? Okay. I just want you to know that nobody is going to heaven or hell by wearing or not wearing a mask. Therefore, why are we struggling so bad with this? Why are we? It's fine. I don't care. I don't care. Some of us... Never mind. I was going to say something bad. (laughs) The world thanks some of us for wearing them. (laughs) Nobody... Nobody is going to heaven or hell based on their belief of the topic of COVID conspiracies. Right? But I mean, the church is like rampant with all these conspiracy theories of of prophetic messages about the COVID-19 conspiracy, Bill Gates, and God only knows who else. I, I just want to bring some clarity to you. I'm serious. I'm not being sarcastic. The Word of God says certain things are going to happen in the end times. We ought to know that. And it shouldn't affect us. We should be living the same way we always have and always will. And that is in the spirit of unity, loving Christ, loving others, and sharing Jesus. Even with Bill Gates. Right? Okay, I'm not saying he's doing anything wrong. I mean, I'm not saying he's doing anything right. Whatever. All I'm saying is, what is our focus and what is God calling us to do as the church of Jesus Christ? See, the devil doesn't care what he uses. He just wants to divide. That's all he wants. Just a little crack. Any compromise that you will give him, he will take. And right there, he will patiently start hammering a divider. Because Jesus said... If it's divided, it will fall. (laughs) So, we don't need to be arguing about who's weak. We don't need to bring out who's weak. Actually, the Word of God says we're supposed to encourage those who are weak. So if you see someone that you perceive is weak, encourage them. Not like, hey, take your mask off, you're going to be fine. Jesus loves you and you should trust Him. That's not encouraging the weak. Nor is it, you should wear a mask because you're killing me and you shouldn't kill me. That's not encouraging either. Right? We as the body of Christ are to bring encouragement into the life of people around us. All right. You should honor those who want to wear them and not wear them. You should honor them. That's our Christian response. But the message isn't about masks. Okay? The message is about unity and how the enemy will use division and how he desires to destroy every relationship because the relationship that we have with one another is a symbol of Jesus Christ. It is. 
Now, I, I want you to know that because we're encouraging other people doesn't mean we're like we remain neutral and God doesn't want us to have convictions or place of standing. That doesn't, it doesn't mean that. See, I can believe what I believe and think it's right, but I don't have to force you into believing or thinking what I think is right. I do want to share Jesus with people, and I know that's right, and I will do it graciously as God opens those doors, and you should too. But I'm not going to force Jesus on anyone either. That's not what he tells us to do. All right. So I, I want to, here's a real life illustration. We'll throw the masks away for a minute. I choose not to wear a helmet when I ride my motorcycle. <laughs> so you don't have to. The law doesn't say I have to, therefore I choose not to. Do I understand the consequences of not wearing a helmet? Yes. I used to joke about it. And I'm, I'm not joking now. I mean, I'm, I've grown up a little bit since then. But I used to say the only difference is an open or closed casket. All right? That's what I would get was my, like, generic response as just kind of... I have sarcasm issues, like, from my younger life. I don't use that anymore. I'm just saying, like, I understand the consequences. But if everybody looked at the statistics, just to share some knowledge with you, it's just as high with or without a helmet. For real. So let's just drop that. <laughs> Leave me alone. I don't want to wear one. All right? Anyway, but that's a real life thing, right? But I'm not, if you wear a helmet riding with us in full throttle, I'm not like, check out a bubble head. You know? <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I want to encourage you to wear it. Some of you I've seen ride, you should wear party armor. All right? <laughs> okay. All right, anyway, let's stay on course here today. <laughs> Romans 14. So why do you condemn another believer? Why do you look down on another believer? This is God's word I'm reading. Remember, we will stand, all stand, before the judgment seat of God. For the scriptures say, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bend to me. Every tongue will declare an allegiance to God. His name. Jesus is Lord. We're all going to do it. That's a quote right out of Isaiah 45, 23, as Paul is writing to the church. Do you think there was issues going on in the church in Rome? Yeah. Of course. And he's calling and saying, what are you doing? Why would you condemn another brother? Why would you condemn another sister? This is God's word. We're going to give account. Okay. Keep reading there, verse 12. Yes, each of us will give a personal account to God. Do y'all remember that and realize that? God's got your story recorded and you're going to answer to him. So let's stop condemning each other. To decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. That you won't cause another believer to stumble and fall. See... The actual issue is another person's stability in their spiritual life. And when we begin to view things that way, it should change our reaction. It's not about making me feel good about your decisions. <laughs> I don't need you to agree with me on everything. I should be secure in who I am in Christ enough that... You can have your differences of opinion on certain things in life, and so can I. It's okay. It's totally fine. See, what it's about is helping people stay spiritually strong in their Christian life and encouraging one another in that area. So this takes us to a place of what is called in, in Scripture personal conviction. Personal conviction. Please own that statement because we're going to read in God's Word what it talks to us about this very topic personal conviction the problem is we often take our personal convictions and project them on everyone because if i can or can't do something that ought to be the same for you that's called legalism so let's look at what god's word actually says about this we're still in in the book of romans right there in that same 14th chapter verse 14 i know and am convinced on the authority of the lord jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat but, get this, if someone believes it is wrong 
then for that person, it is wrong. Just let that sink in. He's saying, if you personally find something wrong with it, then it is wrong for you. That's a personal conviction. Okay, keep reading now. And if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. So today, if I came up here and I just had a whole table of meat and I knew a lot of you were vegetarians and I was just like, wow, this is amazing. I just want you to know how great this is. You're missing out. He's saying, you know, you're wrong, man. I'm wrong. So you understand what we're seeing in the word of God is he's saying there's personal convictions about what you perceive as right and wrong in your personal life. This is not theological right and wrong. It's heart right and wrong. There's a difference here. Don't misconfuse these things and mess it up. So as he's talking to us here in the word, he's saying to you and I, if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you're not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Isn't that great? Then you will not be criticized for doing something you believe is good. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Oh, see where it's putting the priority back on what this life is actually all about. If you serve Christ with this attitude, you will please God and others will approve of you too. See, we have the mindset, it doesn't matter what you think. Guess what? God's word says it does. What you think should matter to me. I don't live for what you think, but I'm conscious of what you think so that I might represent Christ in a good way for you. That's God's word. So then let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. So keep it in your house. It doesn't mean everybody should become vegetarians or meatitarians. He's saying if you know someone has that issue, then invite them not issue, I'm sorry. If someone, say, is a vegetarian, then take them to a vegetarian restaurant and eat with them. And don't sit there and complain and like, this is disgusting. How do you live like this? You know? Seriously, that's what he's telling us. He said, go home and have your burger. Eat it and be thankful for it. That's all. Just keep it between you and God so you're not offending other people. See, I, I, I said something, I think it was two weeks ago when I was here, but it, there's not a sin to drink alcohol. It's not. God's Word talks about it. But for some of us, it's absolutely a sin for us to even taste alcohol. Right? Personal conviction. I would never do it as your pastor, private or public, to drink alcohol for the fact of offending or causing anyone that is a recovery or anything else to stumble. That's just me. I don't say everybody ought to do that. I'm just telling you what I choose to do because I love you and I know what that stuff will do to some of us. Okay. Practical application of God's word. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you're doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they've decided is right. That's God's word. Isn't that awesome? Don't feel guilty about it. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Love it. But if you have doubts about whether or not you should eat something, you are sinning if you go ahead and do it. Personal conviction. You hear that? For you are not following your convictions, and if you do anything you believe is not right, you are sinning. Anything that you think is not right, and you go ahead and do it, you're sinning. You know why? Because, see, when the Spirit of God puts a check mark on us, we have to cross that boundary or not. Right? So a lot of times when we're struggling with something, we want someone else to validate what we want to do. Trust me, I know. I've been your pastor, and I've heard your conversations. You're like, what do you think about this? Like, please say yes. (laughs) 
Look, it doesn't matter what I say. If the Word of God and the Spirit of God are saying don't, then don't. Period. And if you do, it's a sin. This is all about personal convictions. What you do, not what they do. Did you notice what that said? It's all about you and your relationship with God and not me projecting all of my convictions on you. (laughs) All right. Church, we need to reunite on what is important and leave the other stuff on the sidelines. It is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. When we focus our eyes on Jesus, all this other stuff becomes what it really is, nothing. Man, it's crazy how amazing he is. How gracious and patient he is, isn't it? So good. Ephesians 4. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Man, let that sink into you. Do you understand that the creator of the universe called you, you, into this relationship with him? You ought to live worthy of that calling. That's what we're being challenged with. So then it goes on and it tells us some things about how to guide our life. Verse number two says, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. I love the way that's worded because, see, when someone's different than us, we see that as their fault. We do. Like, they're weak, their fault, they have issues. They'll grow up, they'll see it someday. That's what he's telling us right there. He's saying, make allowance for each other's fault. Oh, I have one? (laughs) Yeah, anyway. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourself together with peace. For this is one, for there is one body and one Spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Yeah. Personal challenge. Man, this is like a personal drive to me and you. It is straight at us saying, this is our, my, your, our responsibility. We are to lead a life that is worthy of the calling that God, the Creator, has placed upon us. We do that by being humble and gentle, patient with one another, and loving. Making every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Man, we, we really suck in our efforts today. Seriously, we just post it or tweet it and think you ought to get it. And we ought to be all together now. Because I've just given you the light of how you ought to live. How you ought to see things, and therefore, we'd all be one if you just agree with me. <laughs> Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Well... It's their fault they're not united with us because they don't do this or they do that. So I'm just going to leave them on the sidelines until they see the light. I mean, that's the way we approach it. But the Word says that I need to make every effort. We're so quick to write people off. We're so quick to just like set them to the sidelines and say, man, are they jacked up? God, you're going to have to deal with them. I can't. Actually, I don't even want to. I love them because you tell me I have to. So, God, I love them. Just so we're good. I love them. Come on. Make every effort. What kind of effort is that? We're the body of Christ. We're, We're to be known by our love for one another. We're not even talking about the way we love the world. We're talking about how we love each other in the church as the body of Christ. You know them Baptists. They're going to be at that restaurant if he doesn't shut up in two minutes. And then I'm going to have to wait. So like 1 Corinthians 
I don't know what chapter. I didn't write it down. Here you go. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. So I want you to know that our, our, the church leadership that God has appointed here and you've elected and those that are ministry leaders, we spent uh, about a year and a half praying and talking to God about we already knew who we were. We're not a perfect church or perfect people. We're here because we know we need God's help. He's provided the help through Jesus Christ our Lord. We, we've known that statement for a long, long time, the misfit church. We have our identity. Okay, but... God didn't just call us to know we're broken and to be together and just say, oh, here we are. If you're broken, come and be with us as long as you're like me. So what God said was, I want you as a body, my body, to radiate the love of Christ to the world around you, to reach both lost and saved people. Reach them. Make every effort. To restore them into fully mature followers of Christ. Look, if someone comes to Jesus today for the first time in their life, and I pray they do, but just get the picture with me, and someone's been serving Christ for 50 years, grown and they're very Christ-like, and this person is a broken, worldly, messed-up individual, but they find Jesus today. I want you to know this. In the eyes of God, both are equally holy. But this life won't look as holy as that to the outer view. Right? And so what we tend to do in the church is we say anybody that's living like this is holy. But if you're doing that or living like that, you're not. And so now we begin to look down on this person as an unholy person and try and help them. You hear me? Get their life right. I lived in one of those churches and grew up there. That's called legalism. What we're trying to do is make you holy the way we perceive holiness. And therefore, if you want to be holy like me, you have to not do all this. You need to do this. And if you don't look like that, I already know where you are. Church, it's right here in the Word of God. He's talking to us, and he says, we're supposed to live in harmony with each other. Let no divisions be in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. What is that purpose? It's Jesus Christ. And if we keep our eyes there, we'll be all right. So I'm going to ask you, have you been causing issues in God's church? Not one amen. <laughs> the silence is convicting. Have we been causing division in God's church? He's telling us in His Word, it's not okay. That's not okay. It is not okay. We are different. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be. That's God's gift. You know, when, when you read in Revelation, John has this vision in heaven that is coming. And he sees... Every nation and every tongue in heaven. So that means our ethnicity stays with us in heaven. You know, we're not going to all turn a certain color. Did you ever think of that? We're, we're going to be who we are. Every ethnic appearance is going to be there because we're going to be who we are. I had this thought one day that just, this is just Dave. I just want you to know it's not biblical or anything. I just had this thought that God might appear as the opposite race of you when you first see him. And how would you react if he was that race looking at you and your race? Think about it. And then I thought, I wonder what community he'd move you into. Who would he make your neighbor? Right? I'm serious. I had those thoughts. I'm like, God, that is so funny and that is so awesome. If I see you and one day you're African-American and then I turn around and then you're Asian and then I see you as an American Indian and an Indian from, you know, I mean, why not? He is our God and he created his image and likeness. Why not? He loves you. He loves me. Isn't that crazy? I just look at it like, God, that is so awesome. I, I would love if that, and I want to see the faces of people when that happens. <laughs> that would be the greatest, wouldn't it? Right? 
Like, open your eyes, like, whoa. <laughs> anyway, Romans 12. <laughs> because of the privilege and the authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Come on, man. Let a little bit of humility slip in there. You're not that great. You don't know as much as you think you do. You don't have all the answers. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. Measuring yourselves by faith. What? By the faith God has given us. There's the mirror to look in. That's the mirror to look in. It's up. God's mirror. It doesn't tell me to evaluate where you are. It doesn't tell me to do that. Verse 4. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We're many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In His grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So we're not even supposed to all do the same stuff. Actually, we can't. And we're not supposed to. That's the differences that God puts in His body. So why don't we celebrate that instead of thinking you need to be like me? The vast majority of churches across our country look exactly like one another in the congregation. That's how we function and that's where we gather. That's the way it is. We are who we are and that's who we are. Okay? And, and as we look at what God's Word says, we, we need diversity. I, I want that to be right in God's eyes and what, how we perceive what He's doing. Okay? We are all called by God to, be, to do different things different ways reacting to who he is but there's specific reasons for why we do it and it's all about the body of christ and i better hurry up let's look at this the high priestly prayer of jesus this is my second to last verse i am praying not only for these disciples this is jesus prayer in john 17 great awesome thing you need to read but he prays for me and you you know that right jesus included you and i in his prayer this is what he said i am praying not only for these disciples but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Amen. What is his prayer? I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. You want to evangelize the world? Be one with Christ and the Father. Be one with one another, and the world will take notice. It's God's Word. I'll move along here, because we're running out of time. This is why in the accountability questions I ask you to just share Jesus with someone this week. Their soul matters. And I'm not using that in light of the Black Lives Matters thing, so don't like go political or anything crazy. I'm saying... What matters is their soul. Their soul matters. Their soul matters. Don't you realize that, church? Their soul matters. Beyond anything else, their soul matters. Your soul matters. This is what it's all about. It's not about people's skin color. It's not about political party alignment. It's not about what they believe about the pandemic. It's not about what they think about masks. It's not about any of that. It's all about who Jesus is in their life and your life. That's all it's about. So we're going to conclude with action steps. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior today? Yes. Have you? Do you know Him? Yes. If you don't, make today the day. He is the answer to your confusion of life. Your lostness, He's the answer. All right, Christians, have you been dividing the body of Christ by condemning those you see as weak in their faith? If you have, repent and refocus. Today. This isn't something you work on. I don't want to hear that crap. I'm working on it. You don't work on forgiving people. You don't work on letting things go. You do it. God didn't work on forgiving you. He forgave you. Sorry for using the C word. How much effort are you making? Crap, in case you didn't know what I was talking about. How much? I don't want your minds wandering. Let's get back to what God's asking us. How much effort are you making to live in unity with the body of Christ? How much effort are you making there? 
Look over your social media posts. I'm asking everybody in the room. Go home. Look over your social media posts over the last 24 hours, week, and month. Just go look at them. Your posts. Nobody else's responses. Go look at your stuff. Here's the job. What is the number one topic that you are writing about? Do your posts promote God's agenda or yours? Where is Jesus in them? Would people know you're a believer by what you've posted? I don't mean because you mention Jesus sometimes. I'm asking if they would know you're a believer by what you're posting because God's word says they'll know by our love one for another. Right? So if you want to really do an inventory of yourself, just go look at what you're writing because you're writing it. You're responding. You're creating. You're doing it. Now, some of you now have a lot more time this week on your hands because you're not going to be posting all that C word anymore. We're going to be focusing on Christ and unity and, and loving one another and building each other up and encouraging one another. Therefore, you're going to have a lot more time on your hands. And you're not going to look for someone to like you. God likes you. He loves you. If you do that, he's going to give you a thumbs up, whether anybody else sees it or not. All right? doesn't matter if the world gives you a thumb down. They're going to. Live for his thumbs up, and you got it made. Seriously. 1 Corinthians, again, I didn't write down the chapter. I don't know what I'm doing there. I didn't have enough coffee when I put these notes down, but I know it's in the book of 1 Corinthians. I think it is. Look it up later, all right? Ready? Maybe our wonderful tech people found out what I was trying to say and did it for you. This is what God's Word says. Anyway, you've got to take my word for this and then look it up. I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other, let there be no divisions in the church. Rather, be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. That's what we want to leave with today. The altar's open. If you need to pray, come and pray. If you're ready to go meet the world, that's the exit. Go do it. God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Love you. God bless you guys. Amen.